Gunslinger is presenting Ubaldi Reports. Hey, everybody. This is John at Ubaldi Reports, the one web- website and podcast that provides fact, not fiction, on issues facing America, whether globally or domestically. And today we're going to be talking about a lot of domestic issues regarding is California the model that America wants to implement? And, or, and we're going to talk about the American debt crisis as we try to raise the debt ceiling for the country. So with me, as always, is my co-host, uh, Joe Bitts, a former combat Marine who was wounded in Iraq. We normally would have Ray Krause, another veteran Marine, but unfortunately he was unable to make it tonight. But for me today, it's just Joe Bitts and myself. So what's going on, Joe? Nothing much, John. Oh, no, there is a lot. I don't always say, I always say nothing much. No, you always got a lot to say. I but, mean, you, uh, you know, there's quite a bit. You know, you know what? I, the one thing I do enjoy is the Florida weather. Oh, you got to love this weather. It was it's funny. Like, a couple of days ago, it was freezing cold. The very, no, I'm sorry. Last Saturday, it was freezing. Then Sunday, the weather jumped up about 13 degrees it got into the low 80s it was beautiful so that's what i love about florida it could be cold one day the next day it could be a 20 degree different change so so um our speaker kevin mccarthy kevin mccarthy our speaker talked to joe biden today any idea of what they were talking about well it's, it's coming about to raise the debt ceiling and what it is, the debt ceiling is basically the nation's credit card. This is money that's already been allocated, mm-hmm. and they need to raise the debt ceiling so they'll have more money to spend. So basically what it is, is like we talked before um, we got on this podcast about credit card debt. And basically what it is, the, the nation rung up its credit card debts to the max. Well, now they're trying to go to the credit card agency to raise um, their spending limits so they can spend more money. And that's basically what's happening here. Now, President Biden and Chuck Schumer, the Senate Majority Leader in the Senate, stated, we just want them to raise the debt ceiling with no limitations, no no restrictions, no cutting back of the budget. Now, Joe Biden stated to Kevin McCarthy, you show me my budget, I'll show you yours. Now, over the weekend, this was done by Mara Eliason from, I think, the Associated Press. Mm-hmm. And what she said is, Joe, I mean, Kevin McCarthy said that he would not – do anything with Social Security. That concludes reform Social Security. I know Democrats want to say that Republicans want to cut Social Security. What people need to understand, there's the non-discretionary part of the budget, and then there's the discretionary part. Non-discretionary is where your entitlement programs are. That's in Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid. These are programs. The only way you can change it is you have to change the law. The discretionary budget is where the Defense Department is. This is money that you can't cut each year out of the budget. Okay. Well, Republicans don't want to touch um, the defense, and Democrats don't really want to do anything with Social Security. That means including reform in it. Yeah. And as Mar Eliasson mentioned, those three I- those items of the budget, the entitlement programs and defense, mo- equal up to 70% of the U.S. federal budget. So if we're all trying to reduce the federal spending, the f- reduce the national debt, you're going to have to look at everything. Now, I'm not saying you should cut Social Security and Medicare because that's the only th- retirement my parents had was Social Security. But what we need to do is we need to reform it so it's it's fiscally sound, not for just today or your grandchildren or great-grandchildren for decades to come. 
Now, okay, why don't we... <clears throat> so one of the things that the Democrat or the Republicans have been proposing for the past couple of weeks now, it's all over TikTok and our social media and stuff like that, is the uh, consumption tax or the fair tax. Correct. Have you done any more or looked into any of that? I haven't looked into it. I want to see some of the analysis from some of the the public policy think tanks. I want to look at the Congressional Budget Office, and I want to look at the Committee for Responsible Federal Government uh, Federal Budget to see what they think about that. Would that bring enough revenue in to cover this? But the other thing we have to do is we have to really look at, okay, let's start with domestic programs. We have to look at how are we spending our money currently. Mm-hmm. It's not just cut the budget. I don't really like that term, cut the budget. It's we need to reform how we spend the money. Like a, a case in point, the Department of Education. We spend about $800 billion between the federal, state, and local levels for education. Mm-hmm. But America is still at the bottom of the, the pack among all the industrialized countries. Yeah. And we pumped in about $300 billion through the COVID to the schools. But why are we worse off now? Why are kids... Because we just gave Ukraine another $2 billion? Well, yeah, I, I see that. I know that's the argument that people want to make, but we also gave the schools $300 billion in a short amount of time. And then the national report card came out in October of, of last year, showed that we, re- we regressed in reading by almost eight points and math just as much as, as uh, about eight points as well. So why are we... Where's the money going? And that goes like the Department of Transportation. President Biden talks about this infrastructure deal that was struck in a bipartisan manner. It was mainly all Democrats and a few Republicans. Yeah. The problem I have with that is we didn't solve the problem. Yeah, you can build this and that, but then you have to go through all the regulations and environmental impact studies. And at any time, someone can sue and you got to start from scratch. What they do in Florida is if you have anybody has a problem, they fix it there and they keep moving forward. They don't go back to the starting point. So all we're going to do is just waste all this money. And then where is the money going and how is it allocated and is there any accountability? So uh, Maggie Jones on TikTok said, we don't give schools $300 billion. We gave the schools, this is from COVID that went through K through 12. Yeah, but he says we don't, do maybe in order to reduce the deficit, we don't give them that $300 billion. Oh, we, we, we stop giving the schools? Yes. Well, you're always going to have, there's a couple things we need to reduce the debt. You need to reduce spending. That means we got to reform how we spend. You got to re- increase employment. So basically, you got to take the pie and expand that pie. Mm-hmm. You need to get more people working, more investments, more small business moving, and get that going. Then the third thing is you have to improve Americans' education, not just in the um, collegiate side, you need to get people who want to go into the trades. And I'm not just saying only the building trades, like the build, you know, um, electricians, carpenters, welders, and things like that. Mm-hmm. I would like to see America invest in high tech, like the non, the the um, the trades that go into high tech and other technology. I have a friend who owns his own cybersecurity company. And I asked him, this is at the time when Russia hacked into our energy system, energy grid in 2021. I go, do you need a college degree for this? And he goes, no. All you need is the prerequisites, the the gift the, that you have an ability to work in this field, and just the, the certifications and the training. And you can be, you can make really good money. Like a case in point, like your son, 
Your son loves to tinker, build things. Maybe he goes into a trade school that deals with drones and, and all that and computers and all that stuff. But those are the areas we need to focus on, but we don't. And this accumulates why we got a $31 trillion debt. So, I mean, I want you to kind of maybe this week do a little bit more research on the consumption tax. I'll because, take a look at that. Well, because um, a, a few years ago, they were like looking at something similar, but even even less. Like They're, th they're talking like 30%. And I think the way that Congress is trying to work it is like 30%. But you can talk them down percentage. They're just kind of going with like no, worst case can, scenario. Yeah, you can make an and, and the thing is, is like even at like 12%, only taxing or only doing a consumption tax of just food, they were looking at reducing the national debt in itself down, almost paying it off within 10 to 15 years. Yeah, I'll do that. I will look at the consumption tax. I want to see... Okay, if we just if we tax it just on consumption, how does that work at the federal level? But then at the state level, do each state get to run tax the way they want to see fit at that level? But the thing is that I want to focus on. We always focus on the tax part of it. We don't never focus on the spending part. Mm -hmm. Even the Department of Defense, and this is where Mike McCall, he's the chairman, I think, of the um, House Armed Services Committee out of Texas. And he said, we can't cut defense, especially in this turbulent world we live in. I agree with them on that point. Yeah. Where I don't agree with them is the Defense Department is still a, um, a government agency. And many times on this program, I've talked about some of the programs that I see we need to end or re-alter because it outlived its usefulness. Like one of the examples, I know I get a lot of heat from veterans on this, is I think the military should... The Department of Defense shouldn't have the the, uh, the commissary in the continental United States. Now, what about like the PX and stuff like that? I would look at that as well. Maybe we privatize it, bring like a Kroger's or whatever, a national chain on the base, let them run it. Okay. And then you stop subsidizing the the commissary to the tune over a billion dollars. That yeah. money can be used for better weapons, better equipment. And uh, the thing with the commissary too is like, they say they don't tax you, but there's like a little bit of a bump in the price versus outside. But I also think a lot of people like the commissary because it's like they feel like they're getting a bargain. When retailers, this is when President Obama's, I think, defense secretary proposed it, and he was really rid shot down for it. But the re retail company said they would give military veterans, retirees, active duty personnel um, a a, a break, let's say 10%. I don't know what yeah. the percentage was, but let's say 10%. Well, 10% well, is about the norm. Okay, let's go with 10%. I mean, it's in the Bible, tithing, 10%. But let's just go with that. But if you go outside, I live in Tampa. There's a McDill Air Force Base. Mm -hmm. Within a six-mile radius, you got a Costco. Publix. A public, you got a couple of Publix. You got Walmart, a Super Walmart, Lowe's. Super Target. You got all these things. Now, even in the Marines, we have something called ServeMart which is a combination of a Home Depot and an Office Max. Why do we have that? Why can't each battalion has a comptroller? They get a credit card. You submit your budget to the comptroller. Mm -hmm. Go out in town. Let the, let the private sector compete with each other. Yeah. And then, like, the um, communications. It's different between the different branches. The supply chain is different between the branches. Amazon doesn't work like that. Costco or... Uh, some of these international retail, they don't work like that. Yeah. But why does the military work like that? 
And then the second part is they have to get a handle on their procurement and acquisition system. Over the last 30 years, the government or the military has wasted about $100 billion on weapon systems that don't work or they just pumped enough billions of dollars into something to make it work. F-35 is an example. The Osprey for the Marines is an example. We can't go like that. We have to get these things done. And then we have to look at the manufacturing base for our defense systems because Seth Jones of the Center for Strategic International Studies mentioned because we're depleting our stores to fund the Ukrainians, if we get, let's say, with the war with China, we're going to deplete that, and we're it's going to take seven, up sometimes in some cases, up to 15 years. So um, Rick Masta says, uh, you're right about the commissary. It's a benefit to veterans. Don't take them away. It is a benefit, <clears throat> but you got to look at, is that benefit necessary when we can use that money to fund better weapon systems, better equipment, and more personnel. You're going to get the benefit if the retailers give you um, each, all the veterans and retirees and active duty person, let's say a 10% discount on what they buy at the grocery store. Because we're trying to make, the whole goal of the De Department of Defense is to protect the homeland and deter war. Mm -hmm. If we start getting into all these other things, we're not meeting the mission of the military. I'm all for taking care of veterans, but we got to look at, we got to be more prudent in the, in the 21st century because there's challenges. We're not going to have the opportunity like we had in World War II where we were attacked. We had the army the size of Hungary when we went into the war. Yeah. And we had, it wasn't until another 10 months after the attack on Pearl Harbor, which we did the first um, offensive operations, which was Guadalcanal, in August of 42, and Operation Torch into North Africa in October. We're not going to have that much time. It's going to be fast and quick. So if we're not up to speed and our adversaries are seeing our decline of our military structure. And I think that the, were, I think if like an outside <clears throat> retail store is going to be taking like a 10% off for veterans and even like uh, for veterans and military, I think there's a way you a workaround with the, when it comes to the government where, you know, your if you're taking ten percent, that's ten percent less you have to spend on your taxes, or giving yeah, it I mean, to them. I mean, there's a way there's a way to circulate that cost where it would probably be costing them less by subsidizing or giving these businesses a little bit of a kick for taking those military or here's the other thing if you privatize turn the commissary over to another retail agency let's say like a kroger's i'm just using them as an example i'm not saying kroger's is it but if you turn it over to a private entity they can be a lot more cost effective than if a company's always getting subsidized are they the most efficient to provide you the best product and the best um, service that you need now these are not just, this is not a hard and fast, but we have to look at the Department of Defense and look at how we can be more cost effective to make sure we can meet our worldwide demands. Because we are facing challenges from Russia, Iran. There was an exercise that was done that showed that by the Center of Strategic International Studies. And there was other ones a year prior to that that showed if we went to war with China, we would win, but we would win so bad that 
we would lose two aircraft carriers and a lot of surface ships that we would set us back about 40 years because <laughs> it takes time to make that up. And we don't have the money because we're $31 trillion in debt. Yeah. And if you dovetail that to a, a, one of the other things that we were going to talk about is look at California, the California model. California said that they were $100 billion in the surplus. Well, now that's flipped because it was on paper. Now they're $25 billion shortfall. So like in debt? or In debt. they so got to pay that back. We, uh, while um, the presidential run, we were talking about Biden's America. And Biden's America, we kind of put... We used California as California the was the model of Biden's America. And how close are we getting to that? We're pretty much... It's pretty mirroring on that. I mean, you see, just past summer, we had energy shortages because mm -hmm. we don't have enough energy, enough fossil fuel. Mm -hmm. I mean, as much as people want to say wind and solar is not going to cut it because California went strictly wind and solar. They have still a little bit of fossil fuel. But then it's interesting. Gavin Newsom signs a bill saying that mandates by 2035, you won't be able to buy a, um, a, a, um, a gas-powered vehicle. But then two days later, they come out and said, oh, because we have a shortage of energy, don't power up your electric vehicles. Yeah. So if you look at California model, their education is at the is either near or at the bottom of all country, of all states. They have the most uh, welfare recipients. 30% of all people who are homeless reside in California. They have the greatest income inequality among any state. Don't forget they, reparations. They talk about, okay, here's an example for reparations. They talk about they support people of color. They're all there for black and Hispanics and, pe and other people of color. But yet their educational standards are 70% of black and Hispanic students that I keep uh, referencing. And this comes from the Department of Education for the state. Are basically can't read or do math to grade level. And it's worse in Los Angeles when a, a document got leaked that said not for the public review shows 80% of black and Hispanic students are deficient at grade level. I think you need to tell the listening listeners and TikTok, Instagram that you are from where? I'm from California. I know firsthand and I still follow California politics because I have a brother and I have nieces and nephew that live out there. I it's a great state. Don't get me wrong. I love California, but it's horribly managed. Like an example, there was a columnist named Dan Walters who writes for Cal Matters. He's an expert in California politics, and he just had a column regarding some of this, and he talked about some of the projects. They did a refer, uh, refurbishment of the Bay Bridge that connects Oakland to San Francisco. It originally, this is what collapsed during the Loma Prieta earthquake in 1989 took 15 years to build a new span it originally was supposed to cost 200 million dollars it morphed to 6.5 billion dollars mm -hmm. you had dysfunction at the orville dam they tried to cover it up and it was malfeasance on california's part they have a water problem they have a shortage of energy their educational is the worst they have an infrastructure problem i mean and then a Biden America is barely duplicating the California model. Yeah. And but this if you look at our fiscal situation, that's our greatest national security threat. And it was interesting that Admiral Mike Mullen, who was the chairman of the Joint Chiefs 
in the latter part of George W. Bush's administration and into the Obama administration, when he was leaving chairmanship when he retired, he was asked, and it stunned a lot of people when he said this. He goes, what is, your great, what is America's greatest national security threat? And he said that everybody was thinking he's going to say Russia, China, um, international terrorism. And he said our national debt. Mm-hmm. And it's only gotten worse. And here's a military guy saying this. Now, the reason he said that, if we need to do anything, let's say ramp up with China, we don't have the money. If there's an economic situation, we don't have the money to fix some of these problems because we were tapped out. So what is your solution to maybe ratify or, you know, just getting rid of the debt? I mean, there's a couple things. Where where to start? The biggest thing is you have to just two things. You got to increase revenue coming in. That means you got to get small business, get the regulations on people's off the small businesses back. Everybody focuses on business, corporate America. I want to help small business. You want to help people create their own business. Get that entrepreneurial spirit. We should be the number one country in the world for entrepreneurialism. Okay, so Coupe de Grace says, I live and work in the government and community. Your opinion is not fact. I would see, I would like to know where does she work, but I mean, if you look at, okay, she works in the government. That's, I mean, that's great. I mean, there's a lot of honorable people I know that work in government. Mm-hmm. But let's look at it. She gets 13 to 14 paid holidays a year. I only get six. I work in the private sector. Yeah. When the COVID hit, her business wasn't shut down. Many businesses were. Yeah. She got still got paid. I'm not trying to fault her. I'm sure she does good work. But I would like to say, show me where my facts are wrong. But we, we government has only gotten larger over the years. So if we want to reduce the debt, we got to increase revenue. That means we got to get people back to work. If you look at the, the Bureau of Labor Statistics that came out for January that showcased what um, February, December was like, and we'll find out on Friday what the unemployment report for January is, we're still about a percentage point and a half below where we were in February of 2020. Mm-hmm. So we got to get people back to work. We got to get them quality jobs. We got to refix our educational system so people can get a good job and not just these menial jobs. So there's things we have to do, but we definitely have to get spending under control. Now, everybody can focus on tax cuts. When President Kennedy cut taxes in 1964, I know he was had passed away for being assassinated. Johnson pushed it through. Yeah. But the economy took off. But then over the time, we spend and spend and spend, and we don't make government more efficient we just get it larger and larger. So it didn't reduce the debt. Then you had the Reagan tax cuts, the Bush tax cut, and the Trump tax cuts. They spur economic growth, but without reduction, reducing the amount of government spending and looking at where that money goes. That's not our money. That's the taxpayer's money. So they want to increase their debt limit, you said, right? Yeah, basically is. You got a credit card. Where's maxed out? Where's this money coming from? It's just borrowed money. That's from where? Hard. We get finance from other countries: China, Japan, Europe, England, other countries, and basically it's just debt. We're being financed by one our adversary, China. Mm-hmm. So eventually, that has to be paid. Like right now, because of the rising interest rates, and the Federal Reserve rose interest rates another point two five percent. 
So that means the, the interest on the debt keeps going up. So right now, it's about $400 billion a year to finance that debt. What if we can reduce that and we balanced our budget? We balanced the now we got close to reducing the national debt. That means we're not spending as much to finance that debt could be used for other things. Have we ever been like that? The only time that we always had a national debt, not as big as this. The only time the debt was the budget deficit is what we spend each year mm -hmm. was balanced was 1969 and then a couple of years in the tail end of the Clinton administration. Okay. That's where both. I know they give Bill Clinton credit. And I do give him some credit for reducing the I mean, balancing the federal budget. But a lot of that had to do with when the Republicans took over the Congress in 94. They stymied each other. They couldn't do tax cuts. They couldn't do spending on either defense or domestic because each of them would have rejected it. So this is when computer technology t hit every phase of the economy. So the money just poured in. Mm -hmm. And we have to reduce how we spend. And this goes into the book I'm preparing, How to Reshape America uh, Foreign Policy. So we're not going into these endless wars with no idea how to end it. And we just need to, we need to refoc recalibrate everything. Is America still like the number one when it comes to currency and stuff like that? Is there everybody else's like rate kind of bounce off of what well, America? Well, we're the base, we're the reserve currency of the world. That's where China wants to upend the Bretton Woods Agreement that came out of 1944 that set the stage for free trade the liberalization of of uh, global economics. What's they, the, well, okay, the Bretton Woods Agreement? Bretton Woods Agreement came out of, as we were ending World War II, they wanted to f stop what had transpired that kind of started World War II. Okay. So they figured if we liberalized the global economic system to make free trade and some of the tariffs so we can be more interdependent so we don't have to go to war for economic reasons mm -hmm. so that was one of the reasons you know there's among others that started world war ii but one of the reasons was japan wanted to expand and they didn't have the the natural resources to do that so they had to take over colonies like in indonesia where it had oil and other areas and the only one that was stopping them was the united states mm -hmm. because we gave them um, their oil and their um, their steel to build their ship and build their navy. So what would happen if China got their way and ended the Bretton Woods? Because they would do it what benefits China under more of a mercantile system that Britain did during their empire, where they would take the resources from the the co uh, other countries, bring it back to their country, build it there, and ship it back. Oh. So they would be the big boy on the block. Okay. And they would not be favor of. The liberalization of trade like we are in the United States. We believe in interstate commerce. They want it they want to dominate trade that benefits Beijing, not anybody else. What's stopping them from doing it? The United States. Okay. Because everything revolves around the dollar. Yeah. They want the yuan to be the international reserve currency. So if like the our dollar collapses then that's giving China just a that would be the China to step up. That's why they see a decline in the United States. This is where wars start. If you look at the history of conflict, wars usually no one goes to war with the country when they're strong. They go when they're perceived weakness. World War Two is an example. The start of the Korean War was another example. You look what happened in the Gulf and other hit parts of history. Mm -hmm. When they perceive you as weak, 
that's when they moved. Now, as much as people bemoan Donald Trump and some of the things he said, he told the allies, you got to spend more. You're going to be not be beholden to Russia for your energy needs. This is where Europe finds itself. And it's finally he was he was chastised for it, but everything he said plays out to this era. And even right now, you see Joe Biden give Russia everything he wanted. So they felt Putin wasn't acting irrational. He was just acting, well, he saw weakness in Joe Biden, especially with the collapse of Afghanistan, the way we pulled out. Mm-hmm. He's just looking at it that level, that he can move in. And look what he did. He got everything he wanted. Joe Biden said, I'm not going to arm you criminally. I don't want to antagonize Putin. And look at this latest thing about tanks to Ukraine. In March of 2022, he said, we're not going to send tanks to Russia, I mean, to Ukraine. Now we're sending them. We're not going to send HIMARS, that high-mobility artillery piece, to Ukraine. Now we're doing it. Mm-hmm. So this isn't a sign of strength. It's a sign of weakness. Yeah. All, all for what, though? What do you mean? Like, why are we doing this for Ukraine? Why are we doing? Why are we, why, we, why are we going into debt? Because I think we see if Russia is allowed to go into Ukraine, this has global implications. It was showed to China, oh, well, they went into Ukraine and the, the West didn't do anything. So I can go into Taiwan mm-hmm. and they're eyeing that. There's a there's a um, an Air Force general from one like one of the mobility commands. He's predicting. He hopes he's wrong that China's going to go at it with Taiwan because they see us weak. So if they go after Taiwan, the economies of the world will plummet. And all the the chips that the world makes comes from Taiwan. Yeah. So this is going to have a detrimental effect to the economy. Yeah. So these are the things that weakness begets weakness. I mean, weakness begets conflict. Mm-hmm. So, John, if they want to get a hold of you, how can they do so? You can get a hold of hold of me by going to Ubaldi, Ubaldi Reports at gmail.com. That's Ubaldi Reports at gmail.com. You can check us out on all the streaming sites. You can look at Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, obviously TikTok, um, and check us out. Leave a comment, and we're going to keep doing this every Wednesday at 730 Eastern Standard Time. And what we're trying to do is do this on a full-time basis so we can talk about some of these topics that we just don't have time to every day because there's a lot going on with immigration. There's a lot going on with on the budget. There's a lot of issues that we can talk about. And then especially as we gear up for the presidential election, we can talk about the various candidates, their strengths, their weaknesses, and things like that. So there's a lot that we want to do. We just got to get where we need to go so we can do this full time. Yeah, before we go, uh, Sun Blue says, why make your uh, enemy know, you, know your plan? Well, you, yeah. aren't, you aren't much of a strategist, are you? Well, but see, that's a point that he makes a very valid point. President Biden kept saying, okay. I'm not going to do this, I'm not going to do this. So he's letting our adversaries know what we, w- what we won't do so they can craft their strategy to um, – to avoid those areas that we will get involved to where there's areas we won't. So you always, it's almost like Sun Tzu had said, the Chinese general said, how to fight without actually fighting. Never want to let your enemy know what you're not going to do and be unpredictable. And that was the whole hallmark as much as, again, people bemoan his rhetoric, but he was very unpredictable. But when he did act, he acted decisively. Mm-hmm. So that's why China, Russia, and Iran didn't do anything during those four years. Yeah. So 
So I just tell people, keep following Ubaldi reports, and we'll hopefully we may not agree on everything, but we're just trying to provide facts on what's going on around the world. But also, Joe has a podcast that he does, which is American um, Gunslingers. Yep. That, and Joe can explain what that is. All American Gunslingers, we talk about booze, guns, and other shenanigans. Which is a lot more edgier than this one. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we like to get a little bit more uh, opinionated on that one. Uh, very opinionated. And we like to rant and we like to just uh, talk a bunch of trash. So if you want to check us out, you can check us out at All American Gunslingers on um, Instagram, on TikTok, on Facebook, on Twitter, <clears throat> and on YouTube. So. Uh, once you go ahead and take a like a look and tell us what you think, you can email us at allamericangunslingers at gmail.com, and we will talk to you guys later. Yeah, until next Wednesday at 7.30 Eastern time, you can check out Ubaldi Reports, so let your friends and family know. And again, thanks for following Ubaldi Reports. Till next time, keep following Ubaldi Reports.